Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Life Without Limits podcast. I'm your host, Casey Stutzman. We are here recording at the Performance Locker in Alpena, Michigan. And by the time this airs, we will be officially a solid week into deer season in rural America. So if you are not from the Alpena area um, and are, or any place that hunting is a big part of the culture, um, November 15th in the state of Michigan is the opener for the firearm season for deer hunting and is quite the holiday um, up in this area. In fact, there's a lot of people in Alpena area and the surrounding areas um, that I would say opening day is on par, if not more looked forward to than something like Christmas. Uh, There's a lot of family gathering and friends and tradition and deer camp and time in the woods and time in the blind. And it's just something that so many of us in in small town live and look forward to on a regular annual basis and just can't wait for. And uh, it's short. It's only a couple weeks. So the season opens on the 15th and goes through the 30th. Uh, There's much longer seasons for hunting deer, but the firearm opener is the one that most people drive out into the woods for. So there's the archery season which opens October 1st and goes pretty much all the way through January. Uh, Crossbow is legal during that time as well. And then there's after the main rifle season, which are centerfire rifles, which have the longest range, most efficacy. Uh, Muzzleloader and then antlerless, which is female deers. Um, There's some late seasons that are open into into December in there. But that two weeks during November really burns hot up and around this area. And it's... It's a time that we really enjoy and celebrate. I grew up in the Metro Detroit area, so hunting life culture was not something I was familiar with with any way, shape, or form. In fact, my very first year up here, this would have been around 2004, I was taking some classes at ACC, Alpena Community College, and I had one class that was in like an electrical trade, so there was a lot of blue collar in it, a lot of you know kids that were 18, 19, 20 years old going into some sort of trade. Many of them have grown up around this area or in a similar rural small town. And um, so fun fact, if, if you live in an area like Alpena, uh, opening day of deer season is actually a day that the kids get off school. And I've heard different reasons for why this is, but one of the reasons was is that if the attendance of students is low enough, they can't actually count the day. And so many kids were skipping opening day to go out with their their families and and hunt that they figured, well, we'll just give it that day off. Now, downstate, where I grew up and went to school, uh, we had Martin Luther King Day off. But obviously, we went to school on opening day because, well, what are we going to do with that day off? So uh, I I was in this electrical class with, again, a lot of hunters, a lot of blue collar. And the instructor said something about, well, we don't have class on whatever day because – we don't have class. And I was like, well, why? And everybody looked at me like I had a third eye. And they're like, because it's opening day. I'm like, opening of what? And then I had to get explained how this whole thing works. I'm like, you guys get that off school? And then you can imagine my surprise when Martin Luther King Day came around. And I'm like, we have to go to school that day? And they're like, why would you get it off? I'm like, because we always did. So it was it was interesting. Like I said, it was something that was not not that I, I didn't have any familiarity with and um, have really grown to to love. So Uh, That is where we're at right now here in Alpena, in case you were wondering. But uh, today's episode is a little bit different. We've been talking about doing something like this for a while, and I was excited to get to sit down and do this first one. So if you go to the website, if you go to performancelocker.com and scroll to the very, very bottom of the page, 
uh, we have some member stories that we've highlighted. And these are members and people that we've had opportunities to interact with that we feel have a wonderful story that showcases and highlights the benefits of more movement-based, more functional training. These stories read very different, in my opinion, from your cookie-cutter fitness success stories, which is I lost X amount of weight, I lost X amount of inches, I increased my push-ups by blah, 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 I'm stronger, da, 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 da. So, you know, we've been trying to look for people that we feel really have jumped on board with focusing on movement as the foundation of their training and how that has enriched their life. And for so many different people, there's a number of ways, whether it be overcoming injury, whether it be getting back to sports and activity. Um, there, there is no – we want to highlight a bunch of different people, a bunch of different lifestyles, a bunch of different professions, a bunch of different stories and kind of start to showcase that when we focus on movement, success looks different for everybody and that's okay. That's what we want. No two approaches are the same and we don't need to judge our level of quote unquote fitness compared to others in terms of what winning looks like or what it doesn't look like because it looks different for everybody. So um, Samantha and Kelly put together these stories. Kelly in the last year has stepped up and really taken the lead on these. So, I mean, she runs with these and does such an amazing job putting them together. They're there on the website if you want to check them out to kind of get a feel. But we thought it'd be cool to take a little bit deeper dive and bring some of these people in, kind of peppered throughout the year, to sit down for a podcast. And that way we can talk to them a little bit more and get to know them, dive a little bit deeper into their story and maybe expand on some of the things that they wanted to talk about or, or we wanted to highlight within within the article. I also think it's it does a wonderful job highlighting and showcasing some of the things that we feel are so valuable and so important in terms of how we look at and focus on training. Now that might sound self-serving and in a way it is, but my, my primary goal here, I think when we're talking general population, general public, if you're looking at media and things of that nature, there's a lot of, for lack of a better term, stereotypes or things that we perpetuate within fitness that I feel get perpetuated because there's a lack of knowledge or a lack of information. Our primary goal with a lot of these things is to try to start to change the conversation. Um, you know, when, when you talk to someone or when we get to talk to someone who is clearly very focused on how many push-ups they can do in a minute and they're looking at that as a metric for success, the goal is, well, how do we start to change the mindset and the conversation? Because we feel that there's other more significant things that we can look at in terms of how we're being successful. Um, weight loss is another big one. Like we don't have a scale here. And I know we've talked about that numerous times because we feel that there's other markers that can show people that you're being successful and just always focusing on losing five pounds, five pounds, five pounds kind of puts people on this weird hamster wheel that you never really get off of. Um, so the, the goal here is to, to highlight some of these things, maybe start to, to give some more knowledge, some information, start to change that conversation in terms of what are the benefits to more movement-based practices, more functional practices, what do they give us? What can we expect from that? But then how do we start to look at that? And maybe through listening to some of these people's stories, most of which had been involved in either some sort of sports, athletics, or some sort of traditional training, and some haven't. And that's the other cool part is 
you know, for those of us out there that have not participated in more traditional or, or never really liked or connected with the gym or sports, training is for those people as well. So how do we connect those dots? How do we get those people in that, that really in the past have not been drawn to that type of environment? And, and how do we showcase and highlight that when you look at movement as the, the tent poles for your training, it is not the stereotypical fitness environment that some people don't like and shy away from. So the goal here is to just provide some deeper context and talk to some real people and get their stories and, and, and dive into that and then see how what they experience marries with what we try and do and the things that we try and bring to the table and also start those conversations and maybe start to change the focus and what we look at in terms of fitness and wellness and what what those things, maybe what they actually mean. Um, I think sometimes we've the conversation gets skewed. I think sometimes we're focusing on the wrong things. So our goal is to try and bring that around and say, hey, let's, let's look at these things. I'm talking very vague. This is roundabout. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it off and let's get to the conversation. So we're going to be talking with Megan Idelsky, who has actually been, gosh, she's been a member here for over five years now. She started pretty quickly after we opened and she's been going strong ever since. So if for no other reason, seeing someone who's been active in their fitness for five years straight, I mean, longer than that, but I mean, I've been working with her and known her in this space for five years and she's never dipped. She's never wavered. She's been going strong. So I think even there, hearing from a person that has that type of dedication to their movement practice is definitely something that we can we can get some inspiration from and, and maybe figure out how we can apply some of the things that work for her that, that work for us. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Megan. I hope you enjoy it and let's go. Hi, Megan. Hi, Casey. So I'm sitting down with Megan Idelsky, uh, and I'm sitting down with Megan today because you were featured as one of our first member stories. Yes. I don't, we, so we call them member stories, like we don't call them success stories or this or that, because it's like, we like to highlight people and stories that we think almost quantify the types of things that we feel are really important to us and the people that live a lifestyle that we feel like we want to try and help people connect with. So it's been really great for us to, you know, we have so many people who have done such wonderful things and being able to kind of dive a little bit deeper into their stories. And I think by doing this, we also, I think there's this, this perception in, in fitness in general that, you know, you have to be a hardcore athlete or you have to be a this, or you have to be this, you know, hard charging or I'm getting ready for the CrossFit games or something. Sure, sure. I don't think we do a good job in our industry kind of highlighting Joe and Jane, everybody who just wants to move better to live a more active lifestyle. Now, before we get started, if you hear any weird background noises, like a lampshade that's running around, that's Megan's new puppy, Roger, who's, who, got, a cone. who's got a cone. And yeah, it's pretty funny because it's, it's like all the normal puppy noises plus like the rattling of plastic as yeah. it, it bumps into anything. So um, without like you feeling like you have to imp- unpack your entire life, mm-hmm. just kind of who are, who is Megan Idelsky? Oh boy. Really what does <laughs> Megan, what makes Megan tick? I, um, 
I'm a whole lot of things all together. So what do you do professionally? I'm a dental hygienist. So and you're super excited about teeth. I love teeth. Love teeth. Everywhere I go, I look at teeth. Dogs. True or false? <laughs> you have a tooth tattooed on your foot. I do have a tooth tattooed on my foot. True. This is someone who takes their job very seriously. Yes, and I was joking with Jill the other day, who we'll talk to on future episodes. <laughs> That's Roger. And uh, so Jill's a vet who has what? Eight dogs? Seven. Well, 14 in total with yes. the hounds, right? Yes. seven inside. And I'm like, that's, that's what I want out of my vet. I want someone who has a ridiculous amount of animals. I feel like that's, that's what you need professionally. Yes. So anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes. So, so I'm a dental hygienist. Um, I love teeth. I look at everyone's teeth, dogs, cats, everybody's teeth. And um, I love exercise. Like not just exercise. I love moving and um, sports, sportsing. It's fun. Sporting? Sporting. What's your sports background? Um, I played a lot of soccer my entire life, mm -hmm. year-round. Um, and then when I moved up to northern Michigan, there isn't an adult soccer league. So right. I started playing volleyball. Okay. Which has turned out to be very, very fun. And How long have you been on the volleyball league? 13 years. Um, so if you don't live in the Alpena area, there is a massive summer volleyball league. They meet twice a week. There are... He's fine. There's like three to 400 people that sign up every year and play. It's actually one of the biggest active leagues in the Northern state. Michigan, yep. And oddly enough, they play right outside our door. Yes, and it's which a is lot of fun. kind of cool. Yes. I also bowl. I'm an avid bowler. Um, I just like to stay active. I purchased a paddle board to also increase my activities and adventures. And uh, do you still play softball? Yes. Did you play softball in high school? Uh, no. No, I do not play softball well, but darn it, I have fun. As long as you have fun. <laughs> That's right. This it's is all the important thing. When you played soccer in, was there a period of time that you stopped playing competitively or cause you grew up in Jackson? Mm -hmm. Yep. I played competitive from kindergarten all the way through high school or all the way through um, senior year. Right. And then after that, I just started intramural, pick up, drop in kind of thing. Did you have a lot of access to that? In Jackson, yes. Okay. Yes. So when, where, why motivations towards, I mean, so ever since I've known you, mm -hmm. I, I knew you from when I worked at Bay Athletic Club, mm -hmm. so quite some time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you've, you've always been active, not only in activities, but mm -hmm. within some sort of, you know, gym or fitness type setting. Yes. Was that always the case or was there something that drove that? No, that was always the case. I learned in high school that I really enjoyed lifting. I really enjoyed, and I didn't really understand the mechanics of lifting until within the last five to ten years. Um, but I just, I knew that I enjoyed just the rush of lifting and being able to move heavy things from one place to another. Right. So, <laughs> one of my favorite yeah. definitions of, uh, and this is not mine, this is stolen from someone else. Someone was talking to a strong individual who was like, well, how do you, how do you, whatever. And they're like, well, you pick up heavy stuff. And when it's not heavy anymore, you pick up heavier stuff. Yes, yes. And I'm just like, yeah, that's... That's true. That's really great. <laughs> yeah. And I like, to, I like to push myself and, like, surprise people. Like, yeah, I can deadlift just about my entire body weight. It's pretty cool to be able to say as a chick. So, so what... Was there a point... Well, there obviously was a point that you're... you're training changed yes 
was it something that brought that on? Were you looking for new things? Was there a reason for it? Why? So it sounds like a lot of what you had kind of done back in the day was pretty standard, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, like there's there there's a switch. Yeah. So when I, you know, when you go to college, your your schedule changes, your life changes, and your priorities change. So right. I kind of got away from fitness for quite some time when I was in college, um, and then. When I was going through dental hygiene school, they really kind of drove home the importance of weightlifting for your bones mm-hmm. and, you know, just load-bearing exercises, not necessarily weightlifting, weight training kind of thing. Um, so I got back into the powerhouse gym, and mm-hmm. I was I was got in the group of, of bodybuilding again, and it was just... Where'd home. you do your, your dental hygienist school? Kalamazoo Valley. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't really do any bodybuilding shows, but I worked out with a lot of them. You were with that group? Yeah, I was that with crew. that yes. group, that crew. And it just really um, sparked my interest again yeah. for fitness and movement. So I really enjoyed that. And just um, then when I moved up here, I kind of got away from it again, just because you're relocating to a new mm-hmm. area, your schedule is changing. You know, I was working crazy different office every day and how how long you been up here now 13 years okay yeah and I was also bartending at the time too. so you and I are about the same I've been here I think 15 I think I moved here in like 2004 yes so so like bartending and then working a full-time job and and stuff changes your lifestyle again Mm -hmm. so just noticed that I was starting to feel sluggish and just mentally I need that outlet of exercise and movement and you were not playing volleyball at this time or so i mean being newer to the area you hadn't kind of found or hooked up with some of these other activities as of yet correct that's something i want to kind of unpack for a second so what you're describing i think anybody who's ever played a sport has experienced Mm -hmm. and unfortunately some of us never make it out of it correct so and i mean and this is a conversation for a different day Having two kids, I don't completely know how I feel about organized sports at this point in time. Because I look back and I see all the value that I got from it. Correct. Simultaneously, myself, my story is very similar to yours. And there's so many other athletes that have a similar story that basically your entire, all of your exercise, all your activity was was surrounded by a sport. You trained because of your sport. You moved on a regular basis because you were practicing, you were playing, like everything revolved around that. Well, at some point, that competition goes away. Correct. And, I mean, if you're a football player, it's because you can't play football outside of high school unless you play in college, and that's a small percentage. You right. can't play outside of college unless you play in the pro, and that's a smaller percentage. Right. Something like soccer, it is more readily available, but still, families and jobs and kids and, like, all these things start mm-hmm. to get in the way. And now, being able to schedule the time to meet with 11 other busy adults right. to play a game right. becomes extremely more difficult. So... And where I'm getting with this is that so many people have a similar story that like your entire physical life revolved around an activity. Mm -hmm. Now that activity is kind of taken away from you and you either have to find something else, which is a difficult pivot point, or you don't. And now we are the person who was the, the high school football star 20 years ago, but we're out of shape and we have trouble with stairs and things hurt and everything else. So how did you navigate through that period? Because not everybody makes it out of that in a good way. I've always 
like I've always been taught that by my coaches and movement year-round, movement all the time is healthy. I've also learned through different avenues like schooling that, again, movement is very important to not only for your physical health but for your mental health. Mm-hmm. It's very important. Um, and it, it allows you enough, like almost a, the ability to hit the reset button when you're exercising or when you're moving or adventuring. You know, and it allows you to live longer. You know, my grandfather lived to the age of 96 because he kept moving. Right. He didn't sit. He didn't just, you know, he, he was a farmer. Oh, my goodness. He's killing your plants. Roger <laughs> has decided to attack a plant that apparently was threatening him. So... <laughs> Megan... <laughs> And we're back. So, <laughs> um, so how did you navigate through that time? Like, were you actively looking for something? Did you find that there was that kind of like, there's almost like a depressive slump there that is. we yes. find ourselves that you fall into without yes. trying to fall into it. Correct. And when you're in the middle of it, sometimes it's hard to get out of it because you never intended to be there. Correct. And you don't always know. I know for me, so, so much of my, my growing up and my adolescence, like my reward system was sports. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in my late teens, early 20s especially, and sports were no longer the source of my reward system, that huge thing was gone. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know it was gone, so I didn't even, I didn't even know to replace it. Because yeah. it wasn't until hindsight looking back that it's like, oh, that's why I struggled. So like for me, when I was in college, became very social, but not in a really healthy balance way where it was just too much partying and too much out because that's, that was an environment that I felt very good in mm-hmm. and felt like I excelled and I didn't have sports to like reel that in and provide some parameters and say, no, I'm not going to stay out super late because I have practice or, right. and I can see that now, but I couldn't in the moment. Yeah. I was never really into partying, but that could also be because of, again, my background. My mom was a social development or a yeah, a child development worker at a um, at a youth center, mm-hmm. so at a, at, a, at a juvie, and she instilled in me, you know, like staying out late and partying is not worth it. Your mm. grades are very important. Staying active with friends, but in a healthy way, like you know, we'd go to the um, student activity center, and you know, just go walk around the track to keep moving. And, right. And it was really, I think a lot of it was support from my mom too. Like she would be able to notice that I was getting in that depressive slump and, mm-hmm. hey, grab a friend and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think it helped that I had roommates that had the same movement and adventure, thrive for adventure that I did too. Yeah. And, and like we went rollerblading and we went, Biking and walking and just kind of hiking and just always kind of. So how did you how did you get snapped out of that when you were up here and didn't have the same support system? Honestly, boot camp. Okay. At the. Yeah. AC. Yeah. 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 Um, I heard about boot camp. I'd been asking a lot of my patients about it, and I'm like, I just really need something. I right. need movement because I right. found myself just sitting and looking out and being cold and under a blanket all the time. But it's like I always, I, I almost feel like it's cyc- like it's cyclical too. There's seasons, mm-hmm. and you kind of every mm-hmm. season 
something changes. Right. You know, we go from playing outdoor four days a week to then we have to play indoor. Well, right. That space and that time is limited. Mm-hmm. So there again, you kind of go through another slump, but you have to you have to be aware of how you're feeling and what right. you're feeling, and you have to actively have to work to actively balance work. the scales. Yes. You have to force yourself to do it. So what made you, fast forward sometime, start to make the switch in terms of the things that you were choosing for exercise, for movement? Again, you know, it sounds like most of your kind of background was like, we're going to pick up heavy stuff, we're going to work really hard, we're going to run really fast, kind of do the boot camp, powerlifting, bodybuilding type thing. What encouraged a switch to more of a more of a focus on movement, more of a focus on function, more of a focus on. Um, I had injured my shoulder at the at the big the other. At the gym. Yeah, at the gym, and you know I kept asking the trainers like, "What can I do?" And they're like, "Oh, just modify." Now, how how'd you injure it? I was doing a TRX move. They were they were having us do um, they called it clockwork. Okay. And I went down too far, and like I felt a strain, uh-huh. and then it just never got better. And it's my right arm, my working arm. Uh-huh. If I don't have movement in my shoulder and in my arm, I can't work. I also think it's, and this is something I want to come back to later in a slightly different way, but I think it's important to note. It's all good. So it's it's extremely important to note that the job. By nature of being a dental hygienist, that is an incredibly asymmetrical thing. Like you're not, you know, we always talk about like good ergonomics and good posture and good things in the workplace. It's impossible for you to practice that. Correct. You can't. Like you can't sit up and have your screen in front of your face. You're hunching over people. You're in people's faces. You're in people's mouths. You're, you're, you have one hand, you're coming in from the side, you're always in these weird, twisty angles, and there's no way for you to correct that. There's no way for you to sit up appropriately. Correct. And so, yeah, like, just by nature of what you're doing on a regular basis, there's going to be some asymmetries. There's going to be some things within your movement patterns that are going to have to be addressed. And I think... For so many of us, again, especially athletes that have been conditioned, like, oh, you're fine, just push through, no pain, no gain, everything's cool. All of a sudden, we hit that point in our life where we don't have the tissues that we used to, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, what? what? This hurts. Yes. What the hell? Yes. What? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, like, it had hurt. I had hurt my shoulder, and I kept asking, you know, multiple trainers at the at the gym, and they're like, oh, just modify, you'll get better, you'll be better next week. Just modify, you'll get... Well, it kind of... Modifying doesn't satisfy me. It also doesn't remove the underlying issue. Correct. And again, the issue being, like, looking at what you're doing in a daily basis. Correct. So I'll get to this now, and then we'll get back to your story. <clears throat> so I actually tell your story quite a bit. Um... And, and we've talked a little bit about the bands on the podcast and whatnot, and we've talked about the yeah. FMS and everything, but... Dysfunctional Barbie. <laughs> Megan coined the term, dysfunctional Barbie, because one day, and I can't remember exactly how you said it, but it was something along the lines of like, why do I got to use all this shit? Like all these different toys and tools and accessories. Yes. And I like that positive spin on it. So she called herself dysfunctional Barbie. Yeah. But uh, when... So the the yellow band is lumbo pelvic stability, hip mobility, and when you first came in, we noticed, oh, you're, you're a yellow band. Yes. So the correctives and the corrective strategies we were using were to try and help improve that. 
And we did. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, ah, Megan loses a yellow band. Yes. And then we switched up the focus. And we're like, okay, now we'll attack this thing. And now we'll go here. Yeah. And then fast forward some months. Yep. And you're like, gosh, this thing isn't feeling great. And we rescreen you. And lo and behold, that yellow band has made its way back. And we yes. repeat the process. And yes. then it happened yet again. Yes. So I joke with people like Megan is an honorary yellow band for life. Yes. And not because of anything you're doing. But when you look at your daily life, your daily activity, it's like it's like flossing. It is. Like there's certain things. If we know that your daily positions and your daily activity are going to put you in this place that is going to drive you more towards lumbopelvic issues and hip issues, it's something we're always going to have to stay in front of. Because if we don't, it becomes a problem. Yes. So like there's just certain things that this is just... What this is what we have to do in order to stay in front of that because if we ignore it, it it's going to become a problem. So I think that aspect of your story highlights that quite well. Yes, is that there are just that and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what kind of bothers me. Like with the trend within fitness, like oh that hurts, that bothers, that's not cool. We'll just modify. Right. It doesn't work. It, it doesn't always work because we're not dealing with the underlying issue. Correct. And I also dislike mass, you know, quality instead of quantity. You know, mass people in one area is okay for, like, maybe turbo kick or something like a spin class. But something that's a functional movement based, like deadlifting or squatting that you can mess, you can wrench your back. Right. You can, you know, do something, and if you pinch your back and, and wrench it wrong, who knows how long you're going to be out for. Right. Like, I've witnessed an individual snapping their bicep muscle during a workout. I don't want that to happen to right. me. Like, that's not cool. No, you're <laughs> right, and it... it... It is tough, because you dive down this rabbit hole, because people are like, in, in an effort to do something for themselves, right. to better themselves, but then right. we end up, if, if we don't do it intelligently, we can take so many steps backwards, mm-hmm. and it's really frustrating, because it's like, here you are trying to be active, trying to be healthy, and that's, again, there is that mindset within the industry that it's like, oh, well, what's the worst that could happen? It's like, well, a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it is that really fine line, and it's tough. I mean, it, it's even tough for us, when we decided in terms of how big classes should be and group size and what can we effectively manage, because there's a lot to be said for the dynamic of a group, mm-hmm. uh, the energy, the connectivity, the camaraderie, the accountability, there's so many positive things that happen there. And I spent so much of my time training people one-on-one. And when I started working within small groups, it's like, oh my gosh, you would see people that were kind of stagnant for a while. And now they start working out with a couple of friends and they would just skyrocket. Yes. And it was amazing to see that push. Um, so there's, there's a lot of great stuff in the group, but to your point, if the group gets too big, you know, from my experience as a coach and as a trainer, you're hurting cats. Right. It's, it's impossible in my opinion to manage that in a way that you're actually coaching, teaching. Yes. You can facilitate. Right. But that's different than coaching or teaching. Like I can't give the appropriate amount of time necessary to someone who is struggling with the deadlift. And that was always the hard part is the bigger the group got, I would find myself always teaching to the middle. 
And both the extremes get left out. The people who need more challenge, I don't have time for. The people who need more help, I can't let them suck all of my time. Correct. So you end up kind of teaching to the middle and both of these extremes get completely left by the wayside. One gets totally bored. The other one could get seriously hurt. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was really rough. Mm -hmm. It was. Yeah, I can see that. It's, yeah. And that could be part of the other reason too why I made the switch from a basic gym to a personal training studio. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted more one-on-one. I wanted more, um, more, um, what am I looking for? Like, I wanted the bar to be raised for me, but I also wanted to do it safely. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel as though I could get the knowledge where I was going. That's an interesting point. And I look at it, I'm trying to think of the best way to start this. So I never want to be that guy that's so arrogant to be like, oh my God, like poor little feeble-minded Megan could never figure this out for himself. I mean, like, let's be honest. Like I wear pajamas to work on a daily basis and I teach people how to pick up heavy stuff. Right. It's not like you need a physics degree to do the job. But I've been doing it a long time and I've done the work and I've looked into it and talked to a lot of different people and read a lot of stuff and tried, tried to be like as prepared as I possibly can be. And so I find like, to your point, when you find yourself in that situation, there's one or two paths you can take. You can either figure it out on your own, which is fine and totally viable, but that requires a large amount of time and commitment. If you want to cut through that, it's okay to go and be like, hey, you've done this before. Right. Could you give me a hand? Right. And then that way you're cutting down on a lot of that. And again, both are completely acceptable, but there's a trade-off on both. You know, obviously if you're gonna, and, and, and whether it's I'm learning to play piano, I'm learning how to ski, I wanna lift better. If, if I'm gonna bring in expert help and advice, there, there's gonna be some cost to that. There's gonna be working with someone else, someone else's schedule that, you know, I'm not gonna have complete control of that situation. But on the same token, I'm gonna, I'm on the fast track right. to learning. So, um, kinda to get off topic, but not really. No, so no, go ahead. The, 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 few things that I've noticed between a general cookie cutter gym and then a uh, personal training studio and with functional movement and things like that um, and within myself I've noticed that before I would struggle like seven eight years ago I would struggle helping to pick up rocks Mm -hmm. like to throw down by the water Mm -hmm. you know like larger rocks and um, almost like CrossFit ish rocks Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and then um, just everyday things would just, I thought like, I thought fitness meant I was sore, so sore that I couldn't sit down to go to the bathroom. Right. I thought fitness was, man, I just shredded myself so hard. I can't even pick up this pencil. I'd love to say that you were the only one who thought that or thinks that, but but that's not the case. It's the majority. Yeah. And coming here for a, a few, I would say probably a year, I started noticing things within my body, um, my pelvis shifting differently. I noticed that now in, in just the way I stand, in the more active stance, I'm not slouching as much. Um, but the biggest thing was I went to a concert with my girlfriends mm-hmm. and they asked me, they, they said, you know, hey guys, pick up your ladies. Well, 
lovely Sharice looks at me and she says, Meg, pick me up. And I'm like, or I'll pick you up. And I'm like, honey, I'll break you. <laughs> I'll pick you up. And she's like, but I'm 110 pounds. And I'm like, I got it. I got this. I got this. <laughs> and I'm watching men, grown men who are much larger than me, struggle to pick up their girlfriends who are much smaller than Miss Sharice. <laughs> and I, she jumped on my shoulders and I squatted her up. Like I did a yeah. And we're dancing on a hill, like in dresses, and it was great. And I was like, I am a strong ass bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I am. That's so fascinating. And I love hearing stuff like that because, so to your point, I think in fitness in general, like we miss the mark on a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And we like to celebrate, like, how many push-ups can you do in 60 seconds? Uh, two. Who fucking cares? I can do two. But, like, even <laughs> if you could do 70, that yeah. doesn't... Yeah. And even, like, watching your face and listening to you tell that story, that is never anything someone's going to show up at any type of fitness facility and be like, my goal is to be at a concert and be able to put my friend on my back and pick her up and be able to... <laughs> right. do, it's like... Right. But you're right. Like, in those moments, you're just like, I can do this. Yeah. And then just recently, I just recently moved. And right. my younger brother was like, well, how many men do you have to move you? And my mom's like, well, it's just Megan and I. And I was like, yeah, it's mom and I, and I have a hand cart. What right. more do I need? He's like, well, you're not going to be able to get things like the couch and the chair and the dresser. And I'm like, watch me, dude. <laughs> and I did. We did. Yeah. We got everything moved. We no help from dudes. Now, my favorite part of stories like that is how did you feel the next day? Great. Not beat up. No. I had bruises, but that's different. But that's different. That's trauma. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's blunt force trauma. Yeah. Um, I bruises. But you're right. Like this, <laughs> as Meg Megan is sitting here looking at me with a very nice black eye that she received in volleyball. Sportsing. Sportsing. What were you doing? I was, I was sitting in the sportsing. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like that's another comment I hear quite often is, you know, when, when people kind of shift some of the paradigms within what they focus on within their, their, their fitness world is being able to like Jason Spleet that one day was talking about, it was, he had been here. I can't remember what month he got started, but it was the following deer season mm -hmm. and him and his dad were down in Mikado and they were cutting lanes and doing all this stuff. And he got back and he was so elated because he's like, He's like, I enjoy doing that every year, but when I'm done with it, I'm, I'm beat up for two, three days. Mm -hmm. Like my body hurts mm -hmm. and it aches and I'm just beat up and I can't do much else in terms of physical activity days after that. Right. But it's tough for me because it's something I look forward to every year, but then I'm finding myself withdrawing from it because I don't like the excessive soreness and my body hurting so much after this physical yeah. activity. He goes, this year, the next day, I felt fine. And it was, it was so amazing to, to listen to that and watch that because it, it's almost like seeing people that are being freed from shackles. Yes. And again, it's so fascinating because again, well, here we are in fitness, it, focusing on a lot of the wrong stuff. Right. It's not how much you weigh, it's not how much weight you can lift. Like none of those things are gonna actively improve your quality of life. Correct. We don't have a deadlift leaderboard. We don't do <laughs> scale. I, I would be on <laughs> But the reason that you were able to do that and that you were not beat up by it was not how much you could deadlift. Correct. It's that you do it well. Correct. Like you keep your trunk mechanics. in position. You load your hips well. Like you're yes. doing, which allows you to do those yes. and come out on the other end, not a broken person. And I've always 
possess a very good self-awareness. Um, you're very, you're very coachable. Yes. I would say like you're, you're one of those people that you can, you can get a piece of information and you can very quickly ascertain it and put it together and put it into, in, into work physically. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Garrett gets a little frustrated with me when he coaches because I'm like, could you fix this on this person over here? Because it's bothering me and I'm not the coach, but you should fix it. Be nice to Garrett. <laughs> He's like, why is it every time I notice something, you're already like, on it, guys. Get on it. Megan, Megan likes to think she's upper management. I am upper management. That's a self-appointed title. By Sharice and Ben. <laughs> Two of your employees and they, appointed me. They, they got that. They got that power from where? <laughs> Being employed. Okay. All right. No one told me. I'm, I do pay for that title. No, okay. that's okay. Fair. Fair. <laughs> Customer's always right. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> I mean, you have made me wear a helmet for it, so it's fine. I did. It's good. I did. Megan doesn't like the bike and she was participating in what I would consider unsafe biking practices. I was like, you keep that up, you're going to wear a helmet. No. What happened was I bet you something. Oh, that's right. And I won and I still had to wear the stupid helmet. It's the perks of ownership. Who's the eye wrangler wrangler for Uma Thurman? Don't ever ask him because he'll get it wrong and then make you wear a helmet. It was was Peter Gervin, wasn't it? (laughs) Yes, it was. (laughs) Who did I say it was? You thought it was... um, uh, she's a redhead. You thought that the, I had the character, the lady wrong. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Who did I think it was? I think you thought it was, um... Was it Gwyneth Paltrow? That's right. Yeah, I think that's what you thought it was. I was like, no, it's Gwyneth Paltrow. You want to bet me? Yeah, no, you were right. <laughs> I know I was right. So right. how did you end up wearing the helmet? Because you were mad that I was right. Oh, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I think I saw that picture somewhere. Yes, you do. So, <laughs> so let's backtrack. Okay. Shoulder injury. Yes. How did that get resolved? Um, well, I enlisted your help because it was bothering me playing sports. It was bothering me at work. Was it the thing that like continued to just slowly get worse and worse and worse? Yes. Okay. Yes. And it was, um, and just coming to you, we taped it with um, rock tape. Mm-hmm. And then you suggested that I go look, have it looked at, and you had a hookup for me at the Thunder Bay Therapy. And I wasn't even a member. And you were just like, you know, I just, I'm concerned for you and your movement. And that alone made me want to pursue functional movement more, moving safer, you know, really wanted me to just change and come here. Like, I didn't. I also the other thing too is once I started coming here just the peace of mind and the connection with everyone here Mm -hmm. there's no drama there's no competitiveness you know people do see the things that I can do and they want to do it and I and but I feel like it's in a on an inspiring level instead of a do what she can do because she can do it Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. not not a competitive level Mm -hmm. and I feel like having a safe place for especially women to feel comfortable to work out in is super great and we're mixed in with with gentlemen Mm -hmm. and I may make some of them feel less manly but that's their problem (laughs) 
think I think they're good. We don't have a lot of dudes that I worry about around. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it is. It's kind of funny that um, we have we have such an amazing membership base, mm-hmm. and it just like everybody's just great. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's certain things that. I think we can take credit for in terms of like, you know, when we as a staff talk, there's certain things that we want to reward. There's certain things we want to highlight. There's certain environments that we want to help cultivate. Mm -hmm. But on the same token, there's a lot that I I just can't take credit for. Like we just have really great people. We do. And the thing that I love the most is that it's all genuine. Mm. It's not it's not like a, you don't have a headset on, you're not running around and yeah, get it girl, go girl. It's, you know, we're talking to each other quietly or whatever, like, you're looking great, keep moving. Like, and we swear and it's cool. I, you know, you know I always struggled with that in, in a more traditional fitness environment because, so a big turning point for me from a coaching training standpoint was, and I don't remember what, I mean, it was a collection of different things and people and books and whatnot, but at some point this like light switch kind of clicked, like movement's a skill. Mm-hmm. So why would we treat ascertaining the skill of movement different than any other skill acquisition? It's learning how to play the piano. But when you look at the environment of fitness, it's not that. Right, like, right. so we feel like we feel the need to change every workout for variety. Well, if we're constantly changing what we're doing, how do you get better at any one thing? I can it to like, you go to a music shop, and you're like, I wanna to learn to play guitar. And then the next time you go in, they're like, here's a flute. Yeah. And the next time you go in, here's a trumpet. Right. You're like, well, how can I get good at any one of these if we don't put any time into some sort of repetition? Right. The other thing is that if we as human beings are trying to acquire a new skill, if we're learning a new thing, especially if that's a complex thing or a complex motor pattern, Think about how you study for a test. You don't study with music blaring and your friends hanging out down the hall and the TV on. Like you need a space that is conducive to some sort of cerebral activity. Right. You want it to be, it doesn't need to be crazy, high energy. Like actually that can be a detriment because there's all this distraction. Now that being said, there needs to be a balancing act. Like there's some days that we want loud music. We want lots of sweat. We want some rah-rah. But the programming has to fit with that. Correct. So if there's a day that we want that, we can do that through simpler movements that you don't have to overthink. Correct. The more complex stuff we're doing, we want to make sure that there's time, that there's an environment in which that you can learn. But at the end of the day, isn't it all about, like, isn't there a base, like a core set of movements that you need to be good at? Yes. To be able to do the complex? Yes. And that's just it. Like being with someone who understands the base, who can teach the base and the core movements well, and then get those get that foundation down. Mm-hmm. Instead of you know going on and like I don't excel because I excel because I understand the basics. Right. I go back to the basics every time. You don't know that every time I go to do a deadlift, I'm thinking, okay stomach tight, mm-hmm. drive your hips back, mm-hmm. lift with your butt, not your back, you know, push through your butt, don't relax your butt at the bottom of the movement, keep it tight the whole way, 
And those are a lot of things that a lot of people don't understand. Right. And that they relax at some point in the movement, and that opens the door for for injury. Compensation. Yeah. Yeah. So if 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 at any point you kind of turn off during any part of a loaded cycle, mm-hmm. you're gonna make some sort of compensation, and it usually ends up being like you can support your bony structure through soft tissue. And, and let's call it muscular activation, or you can support your structure by resting two bones on each other. And it's called mechanical stability. And if you let go of that conscious contraction or isometric hold or whatever you want to call it within the, the muscle tissue, we go to plan B, which is the mechanical stability. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the knees collapsing in, that's that anterior tilt in the pelvis, that's, it's the different ways for the body to stabilize more going bone on bone mm-hmm. and it's so that you don't crumble into a pile of jelly mm-hmm. but there's a cost mm-hmm. and especially if you do it over and over and over and yes. over because it's not the optimal it's not the ideal or optimal way to stabilize Correct. It, it's not long it, it's not sustainable for long terms and long periods of time mm-hmm. and then when you pair that with a super high volume environment where we're doing lots of these things and you're forced to do them either very quickly or try and keep tempo. Mm-hmm. That was the thing I, oh my God, I always struggled with, um, especially, you know, participating in, you know, either different things or uh, group X type environments, uh, especially ones that were musical driven. And we were doing, we'd be doing squats on, you know, with the beat or some mm-hmm. sort of eight count or this or that. And I'm watching it's people, <laughs> that's different. I'm watching people half my size and I'm supposed to keep tempo with them. Right. I'm like, I'm moving minimum six to 12 inches greater distance, there's no way that I can go through my range of motion and keep the same pace. Correct. It's just not doable. Right. Anyway, I would just get so frustrated. So. <laughs> so way, go way back to the mm-hmm. beginning conversations of like how I kind of made the switch too is I needed some, I needed a more mental outlet also. Mm. So for me, exercise and sportsing and and adventure and activity is really a good way for me to be able to clear my mind Mm -hmm. and and it helps center me, it helps me think, it helps, but it's also like creativity too, like I'm an avid quilter, I'm an avid crafter also, so like that stuff helps too. But there's a balance um, with all of it, like uh, not just fitness but your environment has to be healthy your mindset your mental stability your you know are you happy with your job Mm -hmm. you know it 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 all goes together it's Mm -hmm. all a balance and the things that you don't like to do are probably the things that you need to do the most like for me it's yoga right i have a very hard time sitting still for an hour Mm -hmm. and doing super slow movements right and I, I, I know that I need to go more because I need that quiet. But that's, that's the balance. Yes. Like if I, if I thrive in this chaotic environment, yes. I can't live there all the time. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And I, I also attribute a lot of my strength to the core strength that Pilates has brought me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Pilates is just, you know, a very good thing for what I do too because I need my core most of the day. Do you feel like, and if so, how, that Pilates has helped your training and your training has helped your Pilates? Yes. 
And do you have any like, I think for a lot of people that's a disconnect is like, again, and I'm picking on like the general fitness industry. Yeah, picking sure. on is the wrong word. Sure. These are things that I found in my time and travels and experiences to be true in, in the general, and I'm not just talking about and I'm talking coast to coast. Right, right. Um, and there were things that I'm like, ah, I feel like we could, you know, maybe do that a little bit better. But generally in, in, in fitness, you plant your flag in a camp. Yes. You're a strength train person or you're a cardio person yes. or you're a yogi or you're yeah. a Pilates. And like, then that's your thing. Yeah. And we don't do other stuff. Correct. I, we're starting to see more of a trend of people taking, uh, taking participation and, and not just here, but just nationwide. Um, but we've always tried to encourage, like, you don't have, like, we, we these things work well together. They do. So they do you do. have any, like, insight or anecdote into... So, when you mentioned the bands when I first started, I was a yellow band, a blue band, a red band. So I was U of M colors, so blue and yellow and red and orange. Orange. Maybe? Yeah. So just yellow is lumbopelvic stability, hip mobility. Yep. Blue is basically single leg stance. Yes. Single leg balance, single leg stance, which... Body. That orange was Orange body. is rotary stability, so it's stabilizing from right side to left side, left side to right side. Yep. So what we call contralateral movement patterns. And then um, red is more what we call extension resistance. So think sagittal plane core stability. Um, something's trying to bend you backwards and you're able to maintain that brace neutral spine. Yes. So for the listeners at home. Yes. So Pilates, you know, they focus a lot on the core and um, pelvis, pelvic stability. And also, let's say like bird dogs, are were great for that for mm-hmm. me and i just um bird dogs on your hands and knees bird dogs on your back um but even mo- deeper into that sharice really helped us like or pilates also which through sharice helped really feel what it felt like to contract your pelvic muscles mm-hmm. to pull it into place mm-hmm. as opposed to just you know telling me to make sure your pelvis, you know, don't dump your bucket. Okay, well, I continue to dump my bucket. I need more, mm-hmm. I need more instruction on that. Like, how, what does it feel like to not dump it? So, in Pilates, we were able to really feel what that was like when we were dumping it, not dumping it. And then she had then incorporated, and I think it really helps her being a small tribe instructor. And right, a, being in... yeah. We call her the bridge. Yes, she is the bridge. <laughs> so, you know, she then had us stand up and do some squats and do them without keeping our our pelvic floor tight and then doing it with and just showing us the differences. Um, and then we're just really able to, in Pilates, work on the core, work on pelvis stability. Um, you want to make pizza, not bread, mm-hmm. is what I always ask her. I'm like, Sharice, we're doing pizza, not bread. So that means, like, when you're... In a crunch position, you want to try to make sure that your stomach is flat in a pizza, not in a loaf of bread, mm. so that you're using your transverse abdominis. Mm-hmm. You're you, you're allowing your pelvis to keep everything stable. You're not using like your your neck muscles mm-hmm. to keep yourself up. So being able to be in that environment and kind of really dial down into these things, mm-hmm. and then when you get out on the floor there's that awareness. Yes. And now when you go to pick up something heavy, yes. 
there's that deeper understanding of this is the position and this is how to get there. That's really interesting because there's it, – it, it, which is an extremely valid point too. And that's one of the things that Pilates does beautifully in my opinion is looks at deep core activation before superficial core activation, yes. which is what something a lot of us don't do is we try and like get everything on the outside of the trunk tight and we don't know how to set the, the, in, the, the yeah. inner stuff and then being able to pair that with breath. And all those things that you talked about are the fundamentals or foundation of any lift. Yes, yes, absolutely. And But it's so hard in that environment to get into the weeds like that. Mm-hmm. It's just not conducive. It, right, it's, it's, I mean, I think that we would have a conniption if during small tribe at yes. lunchtime, you are like, okay, well, we're gonna work on our pelvic floor today. I'd probably give you the middle finger and You're say, like, I'm wait, out. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Well, that would be, that would be Casey Lottie's, which, <laughs> Is our, our our worst reviewed class of all time uh, yeah. here at PL. So I've learned my lesson. <laughs> Not that I was trying to do that, but no, it was just I yeah. wouldn't imagine that you would. No, yeah, that was that was I and can't I really remember if we told the story on this on this. I really enjoyed when you did the apples not applesauce. That was a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <It> works. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you mean. Oh, we learn. We progress. <laughs> well, Megan, I would say that, um, yeah, I mean, to kind of wrap up and summarize, I love hearing what you talk about really just echoes so many of the things that, I'm trying to think how to say this. I love listening to you talk about how important finding this level of balance is with all these different areas and all these different things because like that is extremely important to us and we feel and part of the reason that you know you were highlighted as one of our member stories is that Oh god, this is going to sound just so cliche. <laughs> just say it. And I don't want it to, but I don't know any way around it cuz I'm not that good of a speaker. Um it, it, it's that it is it's a lifestyle. Yes. And it's it's not when I say that like it's not a lifestyle in terms of you have to run this or you have to do this or x amount of workouts. It's like it's realizing that the formula is different for everybody. But the ingredients are roughly the same. Correct. And then once we have some level of value set to these ingredients and we realize that they all enrich our life in a different way, we, we play with the ratios in which they fit in with us. Mm-hmm. But you know, the goal is to walk out of it being the best version of that person. And you know, I mean, as I've gotten older, something that I've gotten better with, and this is as an ego-driven male is like there's certain exercises and there's certain things that, you know, young me was always like, well, if I can do this much, the next goal is to do this and this and this and just continue. But then you get to the point that you realize like, you know, if I can do this, that opens a lot of doors for me. Mm -hmm. I don't need to go, the more I continue down that path, the more riskful it becomes. Right. You know, if I have a goal to try and deadlift large numbers, you just start to slowly open the door for something to happen. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Right. But if I can pick up X amount of pounds and I can do that 
on a pretty regular basis without having to prep or do for it, like, yeah, it's probably going to be good enough. Like, that's going to open a lot of doors for me. Right. And also be at a very low risk of injury. So instead of putting all my time and my effort into that one endeavor, well, what am I not putting time and effort into? Like, clearly that's an area I feel comfortable. And I think you echoed that so well. It's a, it's a balance. It really is. You have to, it's mind and body, but social. And it's a lifestyle, but it's also choosing to be a healthy lifestyle, a happy mm-hmm. lifestyle. Right. And that's, yeah, I, th- I think you you articulated very well throughout your entire story and just the whole conversation that it's it's not it's not any one thing it's also not how many push-ups i can do in a minute because honestly i can do two (laughs) what you know in all fairness in a lot of the times when someone would be like oh i just did 60 push-ups in a minute i'm like i didn't see one exactly so, I mean, you did something yeah. where you repeatedly lowered yourself towards the ground and pushed off the ground. Would I call that a push-up? And I'm not saying that in a judgy way. I'm saying that I in don't a... any judgment. We get, <laughs> we get so focused on the numbers. And, and same yes. thing, like back yes. to the deadlifting. It's yes. so easy to get caught up in the how many pounds are you moving, yes. not how are you moving However, the with load. the deadlifting and the squatting, I do feel like a badass when I can deadlift and that's that's great but i don't want to i don't need to do that every time oh no no, don't get me wrong like there's there is something very satisfying about picking up a very heavy bar and and i never would want to take that away from every anybody but on the same token when we start chasing numbers it usually doesn't lead us to a good place correct and that's just my personal experience and and that's why it's super beneficial to change up that base to change up that basic movement is because you can you know granted it's a it's a deadlift but if we're going to do low numbers i know if we're going to do low reps i know i can go heavy Mm -hmm. and i can satisfy my urge to move and lift super heavy right but i know also that if we're going to do like 10 rounds of 10 i'm going to want to go lighter Mm -hmm. but it's also i understand that base movement i understand where my body is at, and just being smart with it yes and understanding the goals of those different things. Yeah. Megan, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I hope it was fun. Always great. Look at Roger. He's the end. He's, he ain't dirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he destroyed things. He's happy. He's all good. He's a pup. He's a pup. Megan, thanks so much for coming in. You're welcome. Thank you. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode and any episode. If this is your first episode, we got we got a lot of good stuff out there. So I definitely encourage you to go back to the well and check out some past episodes. Some of our earlier ones are introducing team members and staff and people that make up what we call the JLP or the Justice League of Performance. Um, not to mention other people in the, the wellness field and looking at how can we create a more balanced approach to this whole thing we call movement and wellness. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, as always, best ways to support the show, share, rate, review, comment, any interaction that you have is just so valuable and really helps us to, uh, to get this out there, really helps to support the show. There's another way that you can support the show. So coming up, our next episode is a Q&A. I put a couple posts on our per, our Facebook page, on my personal Facebook page, on the Instagram account uh, for Performance Soccer and for, for me personally. Um, 
collecting questions from, from the audience, from the viewership, from the listeners, anything that you have a question on regarding health, wellness, fitness. So this is your opportunity to chime in and say, hey, you have not talked about this. I want to hear about this. They can be long drawn out questions. They can be quick hits. So we would love to hear from you. I'm going to do a whole episode. Excuse, I'm going to do a whole episode on listener Q and A. Uh, if you want, you can also email those questions to info at performancelocker.com. I would love to hear them, and I would love to answer them. So this guy is. This episode is dropping on November 22nd. In two weeks, we will be dropping. The, so early December, the Q&A podcast. You got some time to get those questions in. Would love to hear them. Again, you can use uh, social media to get those to us or info at performancelocker.com. Any questions on health, wellness, fitness, I will do my best to tackle those. Until then, have a good one.